Good morning. The title of the message this morning is The Shaking of the Heavens. And of course, our text is Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 17, which is the end of the chapter. Let me begin by asking you this question Is this true? People can be so unwavering, immovable, resolute, stubborn, or resistant that nothing will ever be sufficient or adequate or enough for them to repent. Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, after some judgments and wrath has been poured out, it says that the rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent of their works of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders nor of their sorceries nor of their immorality nor of their thefts. Imagine that. People seeing the seven seals, the trumpets, we'll look at later, and then the bowls of wrath, and then still not repenting. It seems that it will take nothing short of the awesome dissolution of the world itself. Now, looking back at our text this morning, up to this point, five of the seven seals have been opened. The four horsemen have left a trail of death and destruction. We saw and heard the agonizing plea of the martyrs for judgment and vindication. And I can tell you that you can rest assured, you can be confident, and you can be certain that God will indeed act. Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Listen carefully. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger And terrified them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. What strikes me about the psalm is when he says, The one who sits in the heavens laughs and scoffs at them. Turn your attention to verse 12. Starts out by telling us that when he looked, or he says, I looked when he The lamb broke or opened the sixth seal. What John sees when this seal is broken or opened is unprecedented cosmic upheaval, which I would say the shaking of the heavens. Now, most of the disasters listed are known today as weather phenomenon. However, what takes place is beyond modern comprehension. Beyond 
understanding in magnitude or the scale of it, beyond grasp in extent or the degree or the amount in which it's taken place. In other words, we can see one or two hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico. Three is considered bad. But can you imagine an outbreak of weather, which we're about to read about, on a cosmic or world level, all happening at once? And you can say, Tim, how do you know this? Well, look down at verses 16 and 17. Consider the reaction of the people on the earth. They said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Some translations render that, who is able to survive? This is happening beyond a scale that we can possibly imagine. In the history of the world, nothing like this has taken place. Look back at verse 12. He says, there was a great or violent earthquake. Now, earthquake was a regular feature of divine visitation. For example, Exodus chapter 19, verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently, so much so when you go back and read that story, the people were in fear, absolutely terrified of what they saw and what they heard. You know, Moses goes up later and receives the Ten Commandments. But can I just chase a rabbit for a second? The Lord is here right now with us through his Holy Spirit, oh, the Holy Ghost, and even now, he's making his way around, talking to your mind, but more importantly, talking to your heart. And what I want you to know today, if God was to physically manifest his presence here, I would no longer be standing here. I would be falling down, crawling underneath the pews because the glory is so great and so powerful and so holy. I could not stand before him. We must get beyond this. God is like a grandfather who sits in the corner and pats you on the head and gives you a lollipop and lets you go about your way. No. In fact, the book of Hebrews tells us it's a terrible, terrible thing, a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. An earthquake was also a forerunner of God coming in judgment. For example, Judges chapter 5, verse 4. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth quaked, the heavens also dripped, and even the clouds dripped water. This earthquake is around the entire world. That's what you have to wrap your mind around. A violent, great earthquake. It goes on in verse 12 to tell us, the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. Now, the Holman Christian Standard and the NIV insert the word goat there, made of goat hair. Perhaps the reason for that, that the black goats of the Palestinian hillside are well known. Their hair is ideal for tents, sackcloth, and many other items. When they go out, they watch them out in the field. The goats will provide 
protection because when you wove their hair together and when it rains, they mat together, which protects you from the rain. The goats will also provide them with milk. And, of course, you could slaughter the goat and eat their meat. So the goats provided everything they needed out in the field. And, by the way, when you make a garment with that goat hair, it's also light enough that you can feel the wind go through it. A wonderful material. Perhaps I, when John wrote this, telling us what's going on, perhaps I, why he did not put the word goat in there, he knew his original audience would understand that. Sathcloth was famous as an indication of mourning. And look what he says in verse 12. And the whole moon became like blood. The sun turning black as sackcloth would have a corresponding effect on the moon. Notice he says like blood, not is blood. And we know that if the sun's rays are blocked and the moon can't reflect it, it, it uh, affects the uh, moonlight, does it not? We've had sonar eclipses. Now, some modern interpreters would say this is uh, some sort of nuclear warfare happening here, that the result of a cloud that would blacken the sun's rays. Now, that cannot be dismissed as impossible, but there's no necessity for it because the text doesn't even suggest that possibility. At this point, there's a great earthquake. The moon, I mean, excuse me, the sun is blackened, with hair, and the moon now looks like blood. I don't know about you, but if I was experiencing a great violent earthquake and the sun goes dark and the moon turns red, I would be somewhat fearful. Would you not be? Look what he says in verse 13. The stars of the sky or the heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree casts or drops its unripe figs. When shaken by a great wind, we can see that happen here. When the wind blows around fall time, the, the leaves blow out from the tree. And he's talking about when the wind blows, those unripe figs will drop to the ground. And he sees the stars of the sky falling like that. Now some say, well, perhaps this is a meteor shower. But here's the point. The world-ordered movements of the heavenly bodies are provided by God's providential care. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see the, one, see the one who has created these stars, the one who leads forth the host by number. He calls them by name. Tonight should be a clear night. I want you to go where you can see the stars. And you look at what you can see. God knows every one of those by name. He calls them out by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. When these stars begin to fall, it seems to me that's serving as a grim announcement that the end of the world is at hand. So let's back up. You have an earthquake. The sun is black. The moon is red as blood. And now the stars are falling out of the sky. But it doesn't stop there, does it? Look at verse 14. The sky was split apart or receded like a scroll when it's rolled up. Now living here in Texas, 
especially North Texas, I'm sure all of you have seen some terrifying skies when bad storms are coming our way. Have you not? You've seen the wall clouds, how terrifying that looks when you have one of those bad storms coming and they tell you to take cover, there's rotation. Now this is a possible description of storms like that, but increased in magnitude and scale, which we have never seen before, Tornado and hurricane effects are being created everywhere. This is possibly giving the look of the rolling of a skull, a skull, I'm sorry, scroll. I got tongue tied, I'm sorry. Rolling back. And in verse 14, it goes on to say, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Well, that could be a result of that great violent earthquake back in verse 12. Have you been to any great mountains? The Smoky Mountains. I grew up near the Blue Ridge Mountains, Skyline Drives there is really popular. Can you imagine those mountains being violently shaken so much that they are moved out from their places? And the islands, some of them gone. This could be characteristic of a widespread earthquake. And we know by our experience here on earth that if that type of earthquake happens, guess what else can happen? Volcanic eruptions could happen. Now, we've observed some of this. We have. I've not observed it personally, but people have, and we have video of it. But it's clear that this is increased to exponential proportions. In other words, what we see or what we're reading about has never happened before in the history of of the world. Put yourself in that situation. Everything that we once knew stable is now falling apart. There's a huge earthquake. The sun, there's no more sunlight. It's it's stopped. The moon is red. The stars are falling out of the sky. And the sky itself looks like it's being rolled back like a scroll. Would you be terrified? Would you be concerned? Look at the reaction in verse 15. Then the kings of the earth and the great men, or nobles, and the commanders, or generals, and the rich and the strong, or the powerful, and every slave and free man. I'm going to stop there for a second. The intention of the text is not to cover the entire range of human society, but it's emphasizing those who thought they could escape such a thing and feel somewhat secure will be utterly undone. They will be struck with fear and dread and terror. And the list we find here is similar to the one we find in Revelation chapter 19, verse 18. The kings, earthly rulers who stand against God and his people, the great men or the nobles, the officials of the court, the ones who carry out the king's business, who run the government, the commanders or generals, military tribunes who control a thousand men, the rich and the wealthy who probably run the empire more than Caesar himself did, the strong, 
the small and fruitful group who actually run the nation. And of course, the slave and free is predominant social strata of the ancient world. And here's the point. No matter where a person was in that social stratus that was there that day, no one could escape. And the effect to them all, wherever they find themselves in the pecking order, if you will, is always the same. Look at the rest of verse 15. They hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. <laughs> what would you do? This is nowhere in Scripture, okay? I'm just throwing this out here. What would you do? The TV came on. You feel some earthquake going on. You know this crazy stuff happened. And you see the President of the United States running like a scared little kid for cover. I mean... Forget protection now. People are running for them. I mean, they're utterly scared to death. That's what's going on. Even the most powerful people in all their great palaces and all their guards, all their weapons, all their wealth, they are running scared. Literally. And hiding in caves to escape a terrible situation can be found in the Old Testament. For example, Genesis 19 Verse 30, Lot went up from Zor and stayed in the mountains, and his two daughters with him, for he was afraid to stay in Zor, and he stayed in a cave, he and his two daughters. Remember Lot? He ran out. His wife looked back, turned to the pillar, saw he's so scared, he goes, hides in the cave is the point. Joshua chapter 10, verse 16, Now these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in the cave of Makata after being Conquer, they run for their lives, and what they do, they run to a cave. First Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adam. And when his brothers and all his father's households heard of it, they went down there to him. In other words, he was running from Saul at this point, ready to go hide in a cave. People go run. They're hiding. Or at least they're trying to hide. No different than us. Where would you run to if you were scared for your life? Where would you run and go try to hide? Think about that for a second. All this stuff going on, where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? And look at verse 16, what they say. They said, or they cried to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us. The very rocks and the caves in which they hid themselves, they are now calling for them to fall down on them. They are so compelled and filled with fear, they are pleading for an avalanche to bury them alive. It seems that they're desperate. Ellis Russell, verse 16, they're asking the mountains and the rocks to fall on us, hide us from the presence or literally the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They would rather be buried alive than the face of God and the face of the Lamb. Their terror is so great that it will do anything to escape the judgment that's at hand. They're willing for rocks and caves and everything just to cave in on them. Why is that? They want to get away from the presence of him who sits on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. You know, the irony of all that is not even death will keep them from the judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and following. 
Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Can I ask you a very personal question? Do you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Verse 17 gives her a reason why. They state it. Why do they want the rocks and the caves to close in on them? For the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to stand? We preach about and we talk a lot about God's amazing grace, His forgiveness. And that is true. But beloved, please hear me. That is going to stop one day. And the Almighty will come in his wrath and his judgment upon this earth. See, he loves you so much that he made a way possible that you won't have to experience any of this. But the decision is yours. And when I look at verse 17, it's not uncommon to hear people say today, this could only have been an act of God. And in this text... Great links are taken to indicate that no one is exempt from this reaction. Everyone is reduced to a common denominator, trembling in fear. God, who has always been characterized by grace and creation, the Lamb who has been characterized by grace and redemption, now suddenly are depicted in their eternal anger, eternal anger against everything that is sinful and evil. And in the midst of the wrath remains the question, who can Stand. They had their time that they could repent, but they didn't. And instead, they ran to the caves and to the mountains, trying to hide and calling for those caves and those mountains to fall upon them. Do you have a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ? Do you have unconfessed sin in your life? That is possible, or even now you may be feeling some shame and guilt in this moment because the Holy Spirit is convicting you. It's not me. It is Him. If that's true, why not come now and receive His love, His grace, and forgiveness? Let me remind you what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verses 2 through 5. 
There is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Think for the moment how terrible fire is. But no fire on earth can consume or reach your soul on earth. But there's one that can and will. You know, God is called the Almighty nine times in the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 8. Chapter 4, verse 8. Chapter 11, verse 17. Chapter 15, verse 3. Chapter 16, verse 7. Chapter 16, verse 14. Chapter 19, verse 6. Chapter 19, verse 15. And chapter 21, verse 22. All have God being called the Almighty. When God appears in His wrath, None of his enemies will be able to stand. God is the conquering king, and he will force his enemies to bend their knees. And when his judgment is poured out, no one can withstand it. God's power, authority, supremacy will prevail, triumph, and conquer. Let me end the way I began. Please do not misunderstand what I'm about to say. I'm not holier than you. Far from it. I'm a sinner saved by grace just like you. I have my faults and I fall short. But I beg you. I plead with you. Everyone within the sound of my voice, do not be unwavering. Do not be immovable. Do not be resolute. Do not be so stubborn or resistant that nothing will be sufficient or adequate enough for you to repent. The end is drawing near. No doubt about it. And there are two great variables that you cannot control. Number one, the day when all this will happen, Jesus comes back. And the second is the hour and the day of your physical death. Oh, we can try to prevent that. I mean, I could go walk on 287 right now and get hit and kill myself. But I'm not wired like that. My body is naturally created by my creator to preserve life. Because life is a gift of God. But just because I may be younger than you, that doesn't mean I have more time than you. And if I'm older than you, doesn't mean I have less time than you do. The older I get, the truth that hits me like a ton of bricks, time is the most precious commodity we got. Because once you use it, it is gone. So I tell you, you think of this text. It's a very hard text to swallow, is it not? 
reading about God's wrath being poured out. But it should remind us how gracious and loving and merciful and long-suffering our God truly is. Because in the midst of all our faults, all of us missing the mark, that's what sin is, missing the mark. He is more than willing and desiring to forgive you of all your sins and wash you clean by the blood of the Lamb if you would just decide to call upon Him, humble yourself, bend your knee and declare Jesus Christ is Lord and invite Him to be Lord of your life. But it's hard for us to humble ourselves though, isn't it? Pride gets in the way of so many things that happen. Would you confess and repent now before it's everlasting too late? Because one day, it's going to stop. It's going to be over. All this will be gone. And I said this once, I'll keep on saying it to the day I'm no longer here. It's not the fact that I went to seminary. It's not the fact that I'm a pastor, preacher. It's not the fact that I'm American. It's not the fact that I'm white. The only thing that's saving me is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one who took my penalty and all my sins, and he nailed it to the cross, and I bear them no more. If you've never given your life to Christ, Please, in a moment, Roger will begin to play. I invite you to come and call out to him. He will meet you where you're at. You can never be bad. I mean, what Timmy don't understand what I've done, it doesn't matter. Come and say, God, I've broken your laws and let him clean you up. If you have done that, may I say collectively, church, we need to wake up to the reality of what's about to take place and the certainty of it. We don't need another program. What we need are hearts broken for people that we know and love. Would you want to be one of your kids in those caves? Loved one? Spouse? Husband? Friend? A cousin? See, we have the answer, do we not? You've been given the answer. You've been given the answer, and his name is Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen to him who is now softly whispering in your ear and in your heart. Please do not leave this place until you do business with him who sits on the throne and with the Lamb. Almighty God, as we looked at your word this morning and seeing your wrath and judgment being poured upon this earth, Lord, you gave us this passage as a warning. A 
Father, even now, would you reach in and perform heart surgery in every last one of us to soften our hearts and truly remind us how amazing your grace truly is. Allow us the boldness and the courage to never take advantage of time, but to spend it wisely. Make each moment count for your glory as we point people to you, not only by what we say, but by what we do. May your will be done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?